everyone and welcome to another episode of the world's greatest boxing podcast, I Like Boxing with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, Joel Illier. Joel, bonjour madame, comment ça va? <laughs> I think that's something in French, possibly. Yeah. I'm good mate, how are you? I'm good. I'm not really interested in what your French is like. I just you're wanted to say bonjour, madame. You're not interested it, really. also in anything I was going to come back with. Though, <laughs> no, right? no, absolutely not. Would you like to know how I've been lately or anything like that, Joe? Not really. I think we should just go straight to it. Should we just crack on? Because <laughs> last week's introduction was about five minutes long. Yeah, yeah. Briefly, how are you, Joe? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Just bloody get on with it, mate. And, and I'm good too. No. Right. I don't care. <laughs> Right, let's go straight on to the reviews because Joe Joyce came back from a long layoff, took on Christian Hammer, and it was a strange fight. I'm going to ask you what your thoughts are, Joel, before I go into mine, but what did you think? Well, I just thought it was just a, an average Joe Joyce fight. I've had this thing with Joyce, as I've said too many times, Joe Joyce will look exactly the same against whatever level of opponent he fights. He's going to look the same against somebody of Christian Hamer's reputation and standard yeah. as he will against one of the top guys in the division. He's a wrecking ball who will take punches. He's open to taking punches. He's going to do that every fight. Yeah. And he's also going to land his punches in every fight and he's going to hurt his opponent in every fight. Yeah. This yeah. is just, this was for me, a typical Joe Joyce performance. I, I go back to the the fight against Dubar. So before the Dubar fight, I was convinced that Joe Joyce would lose for the simple reason that he just gets caught way too easily. And... That happened in that fight, but as you said in the build-up to that fight, look, Joe Joyce has got a fantastic engine. He's obviously got good, um, you know, good pedigree, and he can take a punch. I mean, he really can take a punch. Mm. But I, I, I still watch him, and I against Christian Hammer, he must have taken in that first round, especially. God knows how many like vicious right hands that hit him clean. I just don't see how against the elite you're going to get away with that. I really don't. He will do the same thing. The thing is, Christian Hammer, Carlos Takam, these guys that have caught and, and uh, Daniel Dubois, these guys, the top guys in the division, I'm not sure they punch that much harder than these guys. Yeah. And what I mean there, it might sound like a ridiculous thing I've just said about Christian Hammer. Yeah. He doesn't try to throw punches like that. Yeah. In his average fights against other opponents. The thing is that when you fight Joyce, these guys think. I've got a real chance here. Yeah. Of causing the upset. They do because they see the openings that are there and they go for them. They launch themselves into these punches. I mean, have you ever seen Carlos Takam for the last seven, eight years yeah. fighting with that kind of ambition again, that he did against Joyce there and throwing that level of clean punches yeah. and hard punches yeah. at Joyce against another opponent? I haven't seen it. They fight Joe Joyce, the juggernaut, with a level of ambition you do not find against other opponents yeah yeah and so this is what you get he's a skilled guy still yeah I mean he's a, he's a bit of an enigma because every time I, I watch him and I just think you're, you're just too easy to hit how on earth are you going to win a, a world title but then he is an enigma because he's just got this crazy chin and this crazy stamina and he just like you say just wears everyone down he does what worries me is that the chin isn't going to last that's what I'm worried about yeah, too he is 36 and he's at an age where that's going to start fading because there comes a point in the boxer's life hmm. where he just can't take that sort of punishment anymore do, do you think if he takes a clean right hand from Deontay Wilder that he's he's probably going to lose that fight oh, so I'd say do you th okay so let me put this another <laughs> way let me put this another way yeah do you think that Joe Joyce will be more affected by a punch than Tyson Fury 
Well, at the moment, it looks like no punches affect Joe Joyce. Yeah. It just looks like his head's made of brick. So if Tyson Fury could come back from them, what makes you think that Joe yeah, Joyce Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's just a diff... It's, it's really difficult to tell, because normally with a fighter, I would say, no, he's not going to get away with that against yeah. a fighter like Deontay Wilder. But... Joe Joyce has something about him and I think it's something really quite special I've been hired him for a long time I think that he will do exactly the same against Deontay Wilder against Anthony Joshua to an extent against Alexander Rusek and to an extent against Tyson Fury I think he'll go in there he will take licks and he will give them and he punches extremely hard yeah. the guy reminds me so much of the second incarnation let of me George have a Foreman. guess I knew you were going to yeah. say that yeah. he does doesn't yeah. he I mean he's so similar and his second incarnation of George Foreman was a handful yeah. and everything he threw hurt and he's one of these guys yeah I love watching him there's no there's genuinely no fighter I prefer watching at the moment than this guy he's just in, in exciting fights and he will be at top level he's going to be in absolute barn burners yeah yeah I, I think we need to see him have a world title shot pretty quickly yeah because he's not going to get any better is he no no exactly that is the big question mark is like as I said can he withstand that sort of punishment against the elite mm. because if he does then there's a good chance he's going to upset a big heavyweight one of the elite Wilder Fury Usyk someone like that Joshua definitely Joshua Joyce would be a great fight actually yeah I think the it would be a great fight I think that the only one I would actually give him sort of very little chance of beating out of the lot would be Tyson Fury yeah that would be the one that I think would just sort of Tyson would fiddle his way through against him yeah exactly all the others he's for me a 50-50 at worst yeah interesting Mm. now so that was a great fight Let's discuss the Maris Bradis J Opatea fight because that was a really interesting fight, actually. I thought it was a really good fight. I'm, I'm, I thought it was an excellent fight. So, a bit of an upset. Mm-hmm. J Opatea won, and we, we both predicted last week's pod that, that wouldn't, we, we were pretty sure that Maris Bradis would win. We did, but we also both kind of admitted that we didn't really know anything about J Opatea. I think we overlooked him in just one of those fights where. He's not a big name. You know, we know a lot about Maris Bradis. We know how he's performed. We know he's obviously put in a good performance. And he's a consistent performer, Bradis, isn't he? Exactly. It just seemed like it it, it wasn't feasible. But Mm. I was really impressed with um, Jay Opatai. Up until about the eighth round, I felt it was more or less a shutout. I thought he was controlling the pace. I thought he was landing the cleanest shots. Maris Bradis was uncomfortable. He got hurt badly in the third round. I think that's when he sustained the... I, I'm guessing it was a broken nose. Although yeah, it looked look, like it. I mean, his nose looks fairly broken anyway, <laughs> but when blood is just pouring out of the nostrils, it's not you know usually indicative of a broken nose. I think he, he opened an old, old wound. Maybe. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Essentially. A bone that was already yeah. at like about 33 yeah. degrees, you know, it was slightly moved again. Just giving it a little nudge. Yeah. Yeah. I do have to give credit to Maris Bradis though because from the 8th round onwards I think the tide of the fight um, fight started to turn a bit and I think he did what great champions do he bit down on his gum mm. shield and he went for it came on really strong didn't he came on really strong and he really hurt um, Opatai and I think it was the 10th round when he I, I can't remember the punch but that was the punch that I believe caused either the first or the second jaw fracture to yeah. Jay Opatai um, and he was really badly hurt he was clinging he was holding on for a little bit yeah and, you know, Maris Bradis couldn't yeah, that, finish him, but... That was where, so for anyone who didn't see it, but 
has seen Arthur Abrams fight against uh, Edison Miranda. Yes, and yes. All those years ago when Abram broke his jaw very early in that fight and Abram spent the entirety of the fight with his mouth hanging wide open. Yeah. That's a real sign someone has you yeah. know, fractured their jaw and he got that look in the 10th round. There was no mistaking what the injury was at all. It, yeah. I mean, it, it must be astonishingly painful to fight on with that injury. Yeah, exactly. There were pictures online after, a few days after the fight of the x-ray showing that he had sustained in, indeed fractures on both sides of his jaw. And the, it was quite funny. It was one of those pictures where... Sounds fir- it, Joe. Sounds hilarious. <laughs> but carry on. No, no, this was hilarious. <laughs> okay, there was obviously there was a picture of him coming out of the hospital room or whatever. You know, they, I guess it was like a, a press opportunity as well. Yeah. But... The photo of him, he had his hoodie on and he had to have his hoodie on because his jaw was like, had ballooned up. Oh. So in essence, his face just looked really puffy. Without that hoodie on, he would have looked, it would mean it would have looked bit elephant man. really bad. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. So it must have been incredibly painful. I think both of them come out with massive credit. Jay Obatai looks like he's, you know, the real deal cruiserweight it doesn't he's only 27 years yeah. old and he's got 10 years on Brady well I actually did do some research on my way round oh, to yours Joel there we go Jay the first time for everything <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> Jay Opatai was at the 2012 Olympics mate 17 oh, years old Good. lost in the first round that was the same Olympics that Joshua won oh, right. so this what, guy what has some serious around, pedigree yeah, I, I think that was oh god I think it was a cruiserweight I don't think it was well, it would have been light heavy or light heavyweight yeah. yeah I don't think wow I also look at his frame and I think he could I think he's someone who could transition to heavyweight look everyone in the cruiserweight division can that's what they're there for really yeah. until they grow into the heavyweights isn't it yeah, yeah. he has fought at heavyweight I believe oh. uh, in, in Australia but m- m- probably at amateur level or younger right. he certainly represented I'm fairly sure the con- you know Australia at that in that division so I think there's a you know if he continues performing as he is and mm-hmm. he does well then the big bucks are in heavyweight so I think it's probably inevitable that he'll move up but I'm really keen to see how his career progresses I was really impressed with him no definitely a more immediate than that is move up to heavyweight which is inevitable in the end but is that he's made a he, we have a new king at the cruiserweight in the cruiserweight division yeah We've now got quite an exciting and youthful division. Yeah. Because we've got Apotea, we've got Lawrence Acoli, Britain's very own, yeah. who's ready to fight these guys. And, of course, we've also got Richard Rietbaum. Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, we've got suddenly fights that could be made again between young, hungry, unbeaten oh, fighters. you forgot to mention Joseph Caulfield. Oh, is that your weight, Joe? <laughs> Like you're right, you're a cruiser. Because I'm, like, well hench. Because you can't be bothered to train enough to fight a lightweight. <laughs> Him against either Lawrence Acoli or Richard Riakpour would be great fights. Yeah. And, you know, as good as Jay Opatai was, I think they're even fights. I mean, basically, it's what we want. 50-50-ish fights, or as close as you can get. Between young, ambitious fighters. Yeah. You know, this is what we want. And we've got, all of a sudden, it's a live division. Yeah. Like, really live. So, hats off to you, Jay Opatai. Well done. And welcome to the party, man. Exactly. Oh, that's got to be one of your new catchphrases, Joe, because I know you said that last week. Welcome to the party, did, man. Didn't I? Is that yeah, from a film? It's my new thing. It's, not, it's, 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 it's from my film of my life, my film friend. Of your life. Yeah, it's the film of my life. My <laughs> little fly on the wall thing going on. That must be a dark comedy. Yeah. Right. Zelane Tete against Jason Cunningham. Mm. What were your thoughts? We didn't preview this one. I I did watch it, but I'm going to let you give you a review of this. Yeah, I thought thought it was really lovely to see Tete 
announced himself again on the big stage. He's back. You know, he had his awful result against Casemiro a couple of years ago, mm. and it had been slow going since then. And that was a sudden fall from grace, really, for uh, Tete, who had for years been an elite performer down at uh, the lower weights. Mm. Um, you know, in and around sort of the fly, flyweighty uh, superflies and bantamweight division. And it was just nice to see him back. You could tell on his ring walk that he was in the mood. Yeah. It was actually a really atmospheric ring walk. It was what was lovely, he doing actually. during the ring, ring walk to there make was you just, think he was in the mood? Well, there was just, there was just there was doing some sort of African music going on. He, look, he had that look of a fighter just totally relaxing in the moment yeah. and just feeling it. You could see it was his big moment and he was happy to be there. Yeah. And all of a sudden I thought, oh, he might be a bit washed up after the Casemiro fight because he, he went down uh, uh, meekly is the wrong word. He unexpectedly went down early in that fight, which yeah. I'd never seen from him. I'd never seen that sort of vulnerability to the man and he didn't look vulnerable on the night now maybe he was just confident at the level of opposition he was in against you know it it wasn't at the Casemiro level but it was one full team guy and he looked silky smooth he was powerful with everything and he was just moving forward he just looked supremely confident and I'll give him a chance against a lot of the top guys in the division on that form so what did you think? yeah well I mean what I mean his punching power was you know, very much on display. The, yeah, I mean, the, the second knockdown was brutal. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And he celebrated hard as well. I, I, it was I, such an important fight for him. Yeah. No, fair play to him. Look, I think, you know, he's he's sort of in that Jay Opatai category now where I'm re- kind of piqued my interest a bit more now. And I'm like, okay, mm. yeah, but it's keen to see what happens. Yeah. So, fair play to him. And what about poor, poor Jason Cunningham, man? Well, he'd been on a good run, but he found his level on this night. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. What, what's the what's the old saying about levels in boxing? There are levels in there boxing. There are levels in boxing. <laughs> I think Joe well done there. <laughs> oh, you didn't oh, even mean it, mate. You gosh. didn't even mean it. So that was a great performance. Right. Liam Smith has signed to Sky. Joel, is this a good signing for Sky? I think the bench <laughs> may be listening to us, mate. He is. Because this is exactly what we're saying he needs. You know, yeah. Boxer needs, Sky needs, these sort of fights, good domestic dust-ups. Yeah. It brought in a huge domestic name. Yeah. And Liam Smith from the Smith family, they are... You know, they're just old hands in 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 this generation of boxers, yeah. Uh, domestically, yeah. and they've brought him in clearly to fight Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah, and it is a fantastic fight, a well matched fight, and it will be massive when yeah. it gets made. It'll yeah. be a big Sky pay per view night. Definitely, we love nothing more than domestic dust ups, and that's what this is. I think it's wonderful, brilliant, love it. They pretty much signed him for that fight. Let's yeah, be honest, on a yeah. multi-fight deal for that fight. <laughs> yeah, that's what they've got to do. <laughs> that's what they've got to do. Who wins, Joel? I would make Smith a slight favourite. Yeah, they Chris Eubank Junior. Promotions. Right? So everything is going to be in his favour. The weight is going to be in his favour. Yeah. He's going to be the A side. He'll have you know nice air conditioners, dressing room. Whatever goes on goes on for the home fighter, right? Right. However, Liam Smith is just a more proven fighter. He's more battle hardened, yeah. and I think for me, yeah, 
I would definitely have him as a slight favourite. But you always get this thing with Chris Eubank Jr. What on earth is he? Yeah, he's, he's another one. Well, he's even more of an enigma than... If I'm calling yeah. Joe Joyce an enigma, he's actually a well-established yeah. top... <laughs> the thing with Chris Eubank Jr. as well is that he... It's hard to look at him as a, like an actual professional boxer. After all these years, we're still wondering, is he the real deal or is he a complete and utter fraud? Next gen at 32 years of age, then. <laughs> I love that. It's so funny, it? It's terrible. Mad. He plays a lot of poker as well. Like I know I've mentioned this to you before. Mm. Like I see, like he's on the um, eight 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 poker ads. He plays tournaments, and yep. I'm sure he's in the states a lot playing over there. Yeah, and he also does the whole Dan Bilzerman rubbish, you know. So oh, Dan Bilzerian, he's yeah. such a loser. That guy, you know, standing, and it makes him look like a loser when he just associates himself with these guys. But yeah. Like, that's his choice that's his choice yeah. he does what he does and he knows that it polarises people and he doesn't care it's good for his brand because he has this brand of love him hate him marmite kind of thing bit like his dad bit like his dad but his dad just proved it in the ring his dad was an actual again. warrior yeah yeah warrior, yeah man he didn't you know I he mean, was one of the true warriors of all time in this country his dad one thing I'll say about Chris Eubank Jr is that he's never he's never disgraced himself in the ring I mean I don't think I've ever seen him fight and fought or you know Nah, I I just think yeah I think he you know there are short I think it was a disappointing performance against George Groves on that stage yeah I think that was a diff that wasn't good okay fine fair uh, enough. and the first six rounds against Billy Joe Saunders uh, Billy Joe Saunders were disappointing as well so on on his biggest moments on the biggest stage yeah, I've never seen true. him actually perform because even against. James DeGale I yeah. mean, you know it wasn't a good performance by him yeah. it was one of those weird ones I remember on that night there had been all of this talk because he'd been with a new trainer and there'd been all of this talk about him you know really working on the jab in training and all of this and how his jab was going to be at the forefront of this fight and he was going to be pumping it out and it would win him the fight and he went in the ring and he barely threw a jab and all of the talk <laughs> afterwards was how great his jab had been to win him oh the fight and God. I thought what is this alternative reality we're living in because it's just he's just sort of said this line and everyone's just sort of gone with it afterwards yeah like, did you watch the fight yeah he only threw about a bit like 10. modern politics isn't it Joel well we're Get onto this in a bit, mate. It's been a, been a big day, isn't That's it? Let's get day. back onto it. <laughs> right. This is a really interesting one. Michaela Mayer against Alicia Baumgartner. Oh, I love Alicia Baumgartner. Do you a fan, aren't you? I am a, a fan. This is going to take place on, well, I say the undercut, on the undercard of the Clarissa Shields Savannah Marshall fight at the O2 on September the 10th. I'm pretty sure it was going to be a co main event. Yeah, of course, Co-Main. But, yeah. I mean, still, it's very the, much the Co. Yeah, it's, the, big, know, the bigger it, fight is yeah. Clarissa Shields oh, against course. Savannah yeah, Marshall, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's the main undercard fight. What a great advertisement for women's boxing. These are two fantastic fights. And they are very competitive fights against four top, top quality boxers. Again, an absolute masterstroke by Ben Shalon here. He's putting this on the bill. It's a relatively cheap fight for him to make for such a high-profile fight. You're really angling for a job where boxer, aren't you, Joel? <laughs> All the long praise that you give him. I'm happy, I'm happy in my job. <laughs> ben, if you need a cobbler, a boxer HQ. Like you, like you say no to a job at boxer, doing some boxing-related stuff. Yeah. Oh, come on, mate. I would, mate. I'd have that job years ago. If Make sure you bring years me along ago. with you. I just, I just like chatting rubbish, mate. <laughs> You're right, actually, he's doing a great job. This wouldn't be a monumental fight anywhere else other than on that card. Yeah. But you put it on that card and it's giant. Yeah. And it makes the main event 
uh, twice as big as well. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, it really does. This is going to be a huge night for boxing. I wonder if it's the first time two undisputed title fights are on the same bill. Oh, it's funny you were wondering that, Joe, because I was too. But anyway, it's definitely the first time that there's been two undisputed title fights on the same bill in the four belt era. Yeah. Now, I'm sure there must have been stuff, you know, years down the line. What I do want to say, I'm sure all our listeners who are big on the boxing will agree, cannot wait to watch that card. That is going to be an amazing car to watch well, and, and I'm expecting fireworks fireworks and how often will we look at two major women fights on the same card and expect knockouts in both fights I actually think you're right I think we're going to get knockouts in both fights no, I think so I'm, I'm, do you know what this might disappoint some people I think Clarissa Shields is going to knock Savannah Marshall out and I, th- I think Bam is going to knock Mayra the reason why I, particularly with the Clarissa Shields fight is that I just I too many people are writing her off like she's nothing. I mean, this girl is a wicked fighter. Brilliant. I'm sorry, I could see her putting on a clinic, and and one reason why I can really see that is because she's going to be so highly motivated to prove everyone wrong, and her career is more or less a demonstration of that. Mm. You don't win, you know, two Olympic gold medals and numerous titles, and unless you're something special. No, good point. Well made, Joe. I really so, do think so. But at the same time, does anybody, can anybody put on a clinic against a fighter of Savannah Marshall's pedigree and of her style? Because she's such an awkward style with so much power that, yeah. she, that whatever happens, Clarissa Shields will be worried about what's coming back at her. Yeah. She can't just box easily and freely in yeah. a fight like that. She's going to have to be disciplined. Yeah. And it's going to be, well, I just think it's a, it's a really unpredictable fight. You know, I was really high on Savannah Marshall beating her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I felt that Chris Shields had got a little bit stale, really. Yeah. And then after her last fight, which I think she actually got quite a lot of stick for, I saw that and thought she looked outstanding. Yeah, I remember you saying. Whoa. I remember you saying. And that, that just brought the fight right into a 50-50, in my opinion. That fight is going to be a fight with Spike because they don't mm. like each other either. No, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a proper yes. grudge match. This is a proper rivalry we've got going on from the amateur days. It's awesome, man. Yeah, like these have storylines. These ones. Yeah, no, it's going to be really brilliant. Really brilliant. A wicked card. Can't wait. On to other news. Tyson Fury states he is levels above Alexander Usyk. I am feel. I am very feel. (laughs) Very good, Jack. And that he is basically too good to fight him. Usyk has responded in the press to say that he thinks Tyson Fury scared. My thoughts on this, Joe. I couldn't care bloody less. Just fight each other. Well, <laughs> I think I agree with you there. I like this one because it's just the latest example of, oh no, I'm so much better than this clear number one challenger for my title that I won't fight him because it'd just be too easy. Yeah. I just love this excuse. Who was the last one who did that? I remember oh, that. It was just all the blimmings. Was it, was it Kel Brook? No, it was yeah, Amir Khan. No, it was. No, it was, it was, Kel, it was, no, it yes. was Kel Brook about Chris Eubank Jr., Oh, that yes, was it. Yes, we covered yeah. it. That was yeah. an example there of him going, "Oh, I would move up two weight divisions to fight Chris Eubank Jr. in this massive fight for multiple, multiple millions of pounds." But it's just too easy for me. <laughs> it, I just feel that I shouldn't get so much money for such an effortless effort. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm just not going to do it, and I'll retire instead. Boxing love doing it. the bombastic. Love it. Love it. Love it. it. Does. So, yeah, on that one, I think, look, you two, just stop talking, please. And fight. Fight. I mean, after your, you know, Usyk's got his sort of fight going on. Yeah. Yeah. Got quite a big fight coming up, to be fair to him. Yeah, true, true. Um, Guillermo Rigondeau posted 
I don't know if our, our listeners have seen this, but in March, um, Guillermo Rigondeau suffered a, what appears to be a horrific injury when a pressure cooker exploded in his face. And what's happened is, so he's uploaded some pictures on social media to show the sort of gruesome injuries. I mean, his face doesn't look too good. It, like, it looks to me like his, you know, he, he, he's, he's, his eyes, I mean, his eyes are still there. <laughs> it's always a good sign. It's, mm. It looks like he's got severe scarring around the, the eyes and we still don't know the extent of the... So, I mean, his eyes look fine in a photo, but whether they are sufficiently fine to keep boxing is another matter. Mm. We don't know how badly or whether his sight has been affected. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who the transnational boxing rankings um, have Guillermo at number... At, at the champion in their rankings. Yeah. At junior featherweight. I mean, this is a major fighter. He's been one of the pound-for-pound grades for the last sort of 10 years in the sport. Yeah. And at his age, I think he must be pushing 40 now. This yeah. is going to be really difficult for him to come back from. And, you know, my heart goes out to him. He's he's never had an easy career. He's no. never been easy to watch, really, which is, is translated into his sort of lower paydays. And yeah. somebody yeah. of his standing would generally um, demand. Yeah. And now this has come at an awful time for him. I feel really bad for the guy. I mean, obviously, this is going back a year now. I think he had the injury about a year ago. Over, or was it just this no, month? No, I think it was in March. No, I don't it? know whether he's... It might be that he hasn't fought anyway for right, quite some time. Well, but... uh, well, whatever. I mean, it's just really bad for him. I feel for the guy. And yeah. it's going to be very difficult for him to come back. I don't think he can uh, a massive level after injuries like that. But it got me to thinking, Joe, have you ever had a, sort of a, an injury, a bad injury or anything like that? Sort well, of from a, a minor domestic appliance <laughs> no I haven't but I've had an eye injury from boxing oh, yeah. when I was when I trained was that when you got battered one time yeah yeah that was it <laughs> <laughs> no I got caught with a shot in sparring and I knew I knew that my eye didn't feel right and then I woke up at about 4am the next morning and oh, I was that from the knockout you'd received <laughs> <laughs> I was still on the canvas <laughs> They just said, let's just lock the gym. <laughs> but no, I woke up at 4am and I just could barely open my eye and it was just seeping water and it really hurt. I had to, So basically I had to go to Moorfields Eye Hospital, okay. just just turned up at like six in the morning Jeez. Called in, and, and I called in work and I actually went to work before I went to the eye hospital. That just was the, early, that was the earliest that I'd ever gone to work. So I got there about 5am, did some important work I had to get done mm. straight to Moorfields and what they do because I, I, that was the first time I ever did it but I have done it since then I've done it after as well they just basically give you like an eye ointment which mm-hmm. helps so it's essentially it was a scratch on the retina yeah and yeah you put some sort of eye ointment in it just eases the pain in it it sort of fixes but it's a pain in the ass. it's not it's really uncomfortable like, like horrific stuff there so I had an injury that really was probably about maybe 0.1% <laughs> of comparable to what Guillermo I, I probably would have been like finished you know how you get like kids who like nick themselves and then they just go into this like flood of tears about how it's the worst pain that would have been me with the retina so Joe tell us did you tell your missus after that that you couldn't spar her anymore <laughs> you were probably thinking of a, a comeback during that whole, weren't you, Joel? Well done. Not so it comes naturally, mate. Come naturally. I wonder how many. So that's a yes. Many laughs I got. Yes. <laughs> so yes, in, in answer to your question. On to other news. 
Eddie Hearn has won the WBC purse bids for Callum Smith against Matthew Baudelik with a bid of just over $1 million. The winner will be the mandatory for Arthur Betabia's WBC light heavyweight world title, assuming he gets past a certain Anthony Yard. Look, I don't care about the title at stake or anything like that, but one thing that has jumped out at me here is that is a whopping bid for a Callum Smith fight against a pretty anonymous fighter. Yeah. Why do you think he's paid that much? I don't know, because the next highest bid was 600 odd grand. So he obviously wanted to ensure that he had got the fight. Maybe he has some sort of minimum that he needs to pay Smith or something Maybe. for the fight. I don't yeah. know. He might have something in the contract that if it's a title fight that he's got a minimum to pay Callum. You sent me a message saying we were discussing Anthony Yard's chances against Arthur Bedzabir and then I think you messaged me after last week's pod to say actually I've been reconsidering it and I think Anthony Yard has next to no chance against yeah. Arthur Bedzabir. What do you think of Callum Smith's chances against Arthur Bedzabir? Oh, I mean, probably even worse than Anthony Yard's. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Has he taken a big fall from grace since that Canelo fight? Well, I think even? so. I think he was so utterly outclassed and Batabiev is absolutely on Canelo's level at the weight. I mean, yeah. you know, moving up to light heavy and to fight somebody like Batabiev yeah. when you've already moved up, it was a super middle yeah. and got so utterly outclassed against a guy that we would have Batabiev as favourite against. Yeah. I think that you've got to say, I mean, he's got next to no chance. No, I mean, I suppose it's a fair point. But, just, I mean, but following, obviously, form lines don't really work in boxing. No. But, you know, that, that's my, my no. rationale for that. Because prior to the Callum Smith-Canelo fight, I mean, we were fairly high on Callum Smith. Yeah, and I thought that style-wise, he would have a good chance. Again, I mean, I didn't pick him, don't get me wrong, against Canelo, but thought that it would be a good fight. Yeah. You know, he was is a long-rangey fighter, and if you're using your range against significantly smaller fighters you should have good success and yeah. he's always had that thing at super middle that he had physical gifts over his opponents yeah and that night he didn't use any of them yeah and so i don't know what happened whether the occasion was too big for him or whether you know he just had a far better fighter in front of him who could negate the advantages that he had levels levels, man, levels. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. josh taylor has vacated his wbc super lightweight world title and the wbc have ordered a jose ramirez versus Jose Zapeda rematch for the vacant belt. Aside yes, on both levels there, man. Yes, so aside from the rematch, I think, fair play to Josh Taylor. Yeah. He is going to rematch he, he must be Jack Catterall. At, yeah, he must be looking at rematching Jack Catterall. And that's, that's the only mean, thing that makes sense. And that's the only thing that makes sense in the division for Josh Taylor, for Jack Catterall, for everyone involved. That's the fight that makes sense. Let's make it. It'll be a massive, not even just British fight, it's a massive worldwide fight now. Absolutely. No, that'll be great. But it's an absolutely ginormous British fight though. And again, if you're not from Britain, you do not understand what happens when these fights go on in this country. Yeah. It gets the whole country watching. And it's when it's when boxing has this mysterious crossover appeal in, in this country. Yeah. Where you get these domestic dust stops as I keep mentioning and the country stops for an hour to watch not the whole country Joel <laughs> bit of an exaggeration everyone that I know in the country <laughs> <Yes>. does <laughs> all of Joel's mates <laughs> my crew do yeah everyone in my flat at yeah. that point <laughs> seems like the country <laughs> Canelo so this is I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter I mean you must have heard about the social media stuff but so Canelo and Ryan Garcia have 
are basically not the best of friends at mm. the minute. So should we just give a little bit of background to Canelo and Ryan Garcia, they both train out of the same gym or did train out of the same gym. And Canelo tried to sort of put his arm around Garcia a little bit while he was there and sort of boost his confidence and all of this sort of thing. They obviously training together. They were gym mates and they seemed like mates at the time. Yeah. And then Ryan Garcia left the gym. Yeah. And Canelo seems to have taken it very personally on behalf of Eddie Veneso. But also apparently, as far from what he's saying, Garcia wasn't dedicated in the gym. Yeah. He obviously had this extended time out for mental, what he said were mental health difficulties at the yeah. time. And he got zero sympathy, really, it seems, from the gym and the wider boxing public yeah. for this. Probably because his... Playboy social, image. Yeah, and his social media image and character he portrays showed no sign of this. Yeah. And then out of absolutely nothing, he just said he needs to take an extended period out from the sport. Just after saying that he'd... What fight was it that he'd rejected because he was going to make a Manny Pacquiao fight? And he was only looking at the absolute top guys in the sport. That already sounds beyond the realms. Yeah, and he said, he said, I know, but he said along the lines of, I can't fight this clear champion and great fighter <laughs> of my way. Where have I heard that before? Because I'm too good for them. <laughs> and even though I've not really done much in the sport, I need to only look at the absolute elite guys in the sport. Hence, Manny Pacquiao are actually going to fight in, in an exhibition fight, not even a real blooming fight. Oh my and God. I'm not going to have these proper fights because of it. And then a few weeks later, said, actually, I'm going to spend about a year out of the sport. The thing and, is, I mean, he's a good fighter. No, he is a good fighter. And I think that if, if he's done something like that, not being funny, he's, he will have, he must have. I mean, he's obviously not thinking straight. There's going yeah. to be some issues going on there. And just point was, he was given no... No sympathy at the time or yeah. since, but what's going on right now with Canelo? So that's the history. Yeah, so Canelo's obviously been quite critical about Ryan Garcia, So, but Ryan Garcia responded on social media or, or in an interview which was posted on social media with the following. What he, Canelo, said was just comical. At 20, I was a world champion. This is where it gets real bitchy. <laughs> he fought for a vacant title against Matthew Hatton. I have a lot of good people in my division. I can't just pick a Matthew Hatton and become a champion. Ooh. Brutal stuff, man. Brutal stuff. Do you know what? One thing that really... I'm just going to say this. I'm not a massive Canelo fan. It's why I'm really championing Triple G in their third fight. Not necessarily because I think Triple G will win. I badly want him to win because I mm. think... Something about Canelo's popularity just doesn't sit well with me. The fact that he has been caught. Yeah. The fact that he seems to... I've have been caught, sorry, taking um, PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah. Yep. The fact that he has managed to travel through weight seemingly unnaturally. Just mm. The whole thing just doesn't sit easy with me. Yeah, and, and what's also happened with Canelo recently is that he just seems to have the hump with everyone. Mm. He's got the hump with Ryan Garcia. He's got to be in his bonnet with Triple G. I'm not even sure what Triple G's done other than basically beat him, in my opinion, in the first fight. Well, no, what, what happens is a lot of the time drug cheats, as we discussed last week with Jarrell Miller, get very upset when somebody brings up their drug cheating. Yeah. And Golovkin did this. Yeah. You know, he was furious at the time that Canelo tested positive between their first and second fights. Yeah. And it delayed their second fight for six months. Yeah. But 
that was the only wasn't a real delay because that suited Canelo perfectly fine. He had another few months to train all of that. Meanwhile, Golovkin just gets a little bit older. Yeah, you know, and that suited him fine, and he was furious about it. You yeah. know, of course, because he's essentially either had stuff in the system from the previous fight, yeah, or he was juicing for the upcoming fight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you can imagine, you can understand, completely understand, while Golovkin was furious at the time, and he can get killed, for God's sake. Yeah, this isn't yeah. a joke, you know. It's yeah. not it's not sprinting, yeah. you know, where you take your steroids, you stake your stuff, and you're going to win a race. Yeah. And everyone else is upset. It affects their life, don't get me wrong. They don't get the medals they deserve and all of this. But in boxing, your intention is to cause physical harm to your opponent cheating with performance enhancing drugs in boxing is the most serious misdemeanor misdemeanor in the in all of sports yeah that's my argument that either in boxing or mma yeah it's the most serious offense in sport and i genuinely believe that prison should be on the table, on the table yeah, for yeah. this it's it's intent to cause bodily harm yeah like i say and what doesn't sit well with me is the popularity that Canelo seems to get from many fans and casual fans in boxing. Mm. And the fact that now, you know, he just seems to have really got to be in his bonnet, like I said, against an all-time great in Triple G, who's been a great servant for boxing. Yeah. I just, I don't get it. And I want to really want to see him get his comeuppance. I want to see him get knock Spark out. Who knows, Joel? Maybe his, you know, maybe the whole performance enhancing drugs thing is, you know, when you you brought this up the stable actually Renoso stable mm. Oscar Valdez yep. not a good performance against Shakur Stevenson mm-hmm. Canelo not a good performance against Bivol yep. could the issue be now I wonder that the two most recent performances not very good I wonder if it could be that there are maybe some peds that they're not being able to take I think that there is an argument to be made in in boxing that there's a reason that certain gyms get results. Yeah. And if the reason that that gym gets those results is then taken away... Yes. Well, what's the point of being there? Yeah. So it's it's good. I think all of these are are perfectly reasonable theories that are just not beyond the realm of possibility at all. We'll never know. We'll never know. know, We'll never know. Probably get sued for saying it if anyone's listening. (laughs) They don't know where we are. (laughs) We haven't formed a company they can serve (laughs) paper. So here's a boxer we have discussed before. He's, uh, he's actually signed to boxer, Ben Shalom. This is a certain Mr. Ben Whitaker. Now, he was interviewed on Sky recently, and he came out with, you know, what a quote. I will be a world champion. Nothing um, too controversial about that. I'm sure he will be. But then this, and I will be Britain's best ever boxer. Now, I just cannot help but bring up... <laughs> James DeGale. Oh, no, he didn't say that as well. Well, early on in his career, he was coming out of all sorts of stuff like this. He was an Olympic champion in 2008 in Beijing. Obviously, Ben Whitaker got the silver, losing to the Cuban. Didn't DeGale get the bronze, or am I going mad? No, you got the bronze. The gold. Yeah, he, he beat the Cuban in the final. Oh yeah. wow! Oh yes, he did. Sorry, I'm losing. I'm going. Yeah, he beat um, uh, poor, poor, and sorely missed Darren Sutherland in the semi. Right. Uh, he got the bronze. Okay. And yeah, he beat he beat the Cuban in the final. Uh, it, it was a fantastic run to a gold medal, one of Britain's best ever gold medals. I argue actually in yeah. in, in boxing, and 
he did all of this early doors in his career and he was very unpopular for years and years and it was only when he calmed down the rhetoric that he really became quite a loved figure in in British boxing and I do worry that Ben Whittaker is is walking into the same trap but one thing I will say is British society has changed in the 14 years since 2008 a bit less racist not not far off I'm not sure actually mate I'm not sure about that at all Um, but it's a more we have a slightly more sort of American culture I'd say yeah, where people yeah, yeah. where we are far more comfortable with the brash braggart sort yeah. of thing and, and than we were at, in that period where we sort of you know wanted our sportsmen at that stage in their careers to be a little bit more humble I mean we've never been against you know the guys at top level just screaming how good they are we loved it with Naz and all of that but Naz was different it was a special fighter at a special time in a time when Britain was full of confidence in that sort of mid 90s yeah. there was a different thing going on there's the whole we're not Britannia. a very confident country now are no, we? we're certainly, well we shouldn't we're be <laughs> quite frankly we're right in the gutter. Now. I'm not sure what's going <laughs> for us unfortunately but you know it is what it is man no, God save the Queen <laughs> No, but there is something about Ben Whitaker. I, he is very cocky, and I think he's going to be a bit like Marmite. I think mean, there's going to be a lot of people he's going to run and up look, the wrong we're, way. we're going to be on the side that we love him, we? You know, we, we just like the British sports guys and all of that. I think so. I'm going to like him. You know, I like I love him in the ring, so I'm going to like him. Yeah. Whatever, I don't yeah. care. But it's 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 not going to work well for him. I think it's possible anyway that it's not going to work well for him in a PR sense. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong, as I say. Right, Britain's changed. Let's finish the news section. This isn't a piece of news, but we discussed this, a new piece to do. And we we were talking about our, I say good old friend. He's not a good old friend. We don't like him very much. Mr. Daniel Kinnahan. This is the section that shall not be named. And we're talking about the weekly Kinnahan. The weekly Kinnahan. So this is a story where someone has either brought shame on the sport or just done something really peculiar and stupid where you just think, just what are you on about? So... I'm going to bring up an interview Anthony Joshua did with a good old Donald McRae. We like Donald McRae here. He's a fantastic writer. Brilliant. Brilliant. What a journalist. And Anthony Joshua was given his thoughts on, obviously, the the first Usyk fight and the situation with his, you know, training team. And he gave a very, very, very peculiar quote. And I remember reading it and just shaking my head and just thinking, what on earth are you want about? So I'm just going to read this out. So this is Anthony Joshua and what his corner told him during the Alexander Usyk fight. And I quote, I swear I thought I was winning. I thought I was looking like Muhammad Ali in there. I didn't get any impression I was losing. That's why when they announced Usyk's name as the winner, I was kind of like, huh? I read that. I read the, 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 the entire piece, but I remember reading that section and thinking, oh my God. So Sometimes I wish you'd just shut your mouth yeah. right Joshua. Sometimes it is best to keep it closed, but I've let you have this one, Joe. I've let you have it. It's this first week, you've, you've decided the weekly Kinnahan, and that's absolutely fine. I don't think this is such a ridiculous quote. It is. Well, it's the shocking. reason I don't think it is is because... He's right. The corner instruction during that fight was ridiculous. Rob McCracken had a terrible off night, there's no doubt about it. And he, there was no sense of urgency. Yeah. If I was Anthony Joshua and had been taking punches, which left me a little bit discombobulated, yeah. and I'm relying on my corner to give me an accurate reflection of the fight, yeah. I've got to say... I would, if I'm leaning on their opinion, I'm thinking I'm doing fine in that fight. And he wasn't. There was no urgency. So... Two, two things in response to that. I agree with his corner 
Rob McCracken probably did have an off night, but so, so that's one thing I'm going to counter in a minute. Mm-hmm. This quote <laughs> doesn't just talk about the corner having an off night. This is, you know, I thought I, I looked like Muhammad like, Ali. I think he's got a bit carried away. No offence, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Even on your best night, you are not looking like Muhammad <laughs> Ali. It just ain't happening. Yeah, I think he's messing about, though, no, isn't but, he? But, but also, what I think leaves a slightly bad taste in my mouth personally is that, you know, if so, put it like this. Let's say you're Anthony Joshua. You've mm. trained, been trained by Rob McCracken for probably close to a decade. Oh no, he Rob or, McCracken or had, longer than no, that. Rob McCracken had in the amateurs. Okay, so lot more than a decade. Yeah, this is a guy who's massively helped shape your career mm. and put you in a position where you are the biggest draw in boxing. One of the biggest sports stars in the on the planet. On the planet. If he, even if you think he's had that off night and you've obviously you've, you've you've made it obvious because you've got a new trainer I just don't like the the story coming out now which is very much okay the blame's on him for that he's mm. entitled to that off night part ways which you've done but just you know personally I, you've still got a lot to thank him for I personally don't think I could have done that I would not have given an interview like that because yeah. for me put everything aside the disappointment of losing that fight you've still got 10 years of close history to yeah, give it great, mo- mo- great um, moments yeah. I, it just, no, I, I just the whole thing just and I just thought no I don't like this I'm yeah. sorry I'm not having this Look, when you silly. put it when you put it like that I can't argue with that and you're, you're absolutely correct you know it's, it's uh, distasteful in the extreme to uh, publicly blame your trainer like that when they've had that sort of fantastic history together. And notice as well, has Rob McCracken come out and criticised Anthony Joshua? No, he never any, Exactly, he never because would. I just think he's just not into that. He's got, listen, he's got more important things to do. Life mm. is far more important than having mm. a little petty squ- yeah, We all make mistakes. Things could have been done better. You've got so many good memories together. Keep it that way. That's yeah. all I'm saying. So <laughs> that was the weekly. <laughs> I just didn't like that, AJ. I'm sorry. No, I'll give you that, mate. Right. I'll give you that. Let's move on to the previews. And this is a fight I can't wait for. I am so looking forward to this fight, Joe. I know you feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, we're you changing are... all of our plans, aren't we? To yeah. make sure we can watch it. And, yeah. Derek Chisora <laughs> against the mighty Kubrat Pulev, July the 9th. Oh my gosh, what a fight this is. Joel, tell our listeners how enthused and looking forward to this fight you are. I might not watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not a good one, is it? No. And it's been really noteworthy that the build-off has just been totally non-existent. Yeah. This isn't something I've even heard boxing fans discussing. I mean, has it been all over social media and stuff? I bet Eddie Hearn can't be bothered. Yeah. You know, I... I mean, they did their weird face-off thing, which I think you watched. You sent me a clip of it, at least, anyway. I didn't... I haven't watched it. Okay, so neither myself nor Joel can feign any enthusiasm for this fight. The the, the build-up's been very subdued. Yeah, it's a strange undercard as well, where at last time of viewing... There was the Israel Madrimov versus Michelle Sorrow fight on yep. the undercard, which is an odd one for an undercard at the O2. Good fight, though. Um, and then the rest of them were all people versus Tomba Bandersons. Okay, yeah, so, so no one we know, basically. Nah, well, to be announced. You know, so it's just a, a whole card of to be announced and then yep. the, the, the main event and the co-feature. So it was, uh, you know, it's a, it's a disappointing night of boxing because a, a lot of the design budget would have gone on this because, you know, it's Chisora. Yeah. And they pay him well. Who do you think's going to win? 
I just don't care. Jay. <laughs> I, I've just got absolutely. The fight means nothing. I've, I just can't feign anything for this. I tell you what. Who do you think will win against uh, in the fight between Israel Madrimov and uh, Michelle Sorrow? Okay. Well, look. We've got to go for Madrimov here. The Uzbek. It was up on two cards when the first fight was stopped. Yeah. Uh, what happened was it was the end of I think in the ninth round. Yeah. And. Madrimov was winning the fight clearly at this point and then he hurt Sorrow just on the bell yeah. and then he just kept on punching yeah. and I don't think they heard it I don't think the referee heard the bell yeah. it was all a real confused mess Sorrow. Sorrow yeah well he couldn't he couldn't continue yeah. but I guess the way you look at it Sorrow was getting beat in the fight and manages to get a nice rematch out of it because he wouldn't have yeah. you know it would have been a clear victory for Madrimov in the first place do you think Sorrow was feeling sorry for himself bloody Sorrow hell, for himself <laughs> it just gets worse man it just gets worse sorry sorry uh, but I've you know um, Sorrow is a guy he's you know really lovely and um, back foot fighter that I've really enjoyed watching down the years he had a good solid reign as European champion nice and he sort of beat Cedric Vitu and other fighters of this ilk you know good solid wins over yeah. a number of years but he's 34 now he's 34 now and uh, you know it's it's probably too late in the day for him so I would go for Madrimov's but these guys you know their styles gelled well in the first fight and you I'm looking know. forward to seeing them again but it's 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 really weird fight a Frenchman against an Uzbek has landed at the O2 yeah for reasons I can't quite work out Hearn's struggling for this card I reckon I think so I think something well I think he hasn't got much of a budget and this is for I think this is for some sort of title some or something yeah, some sort of trinket so he's, he can sort of say well this is a big fight on at the you know at the O2 and it's got a world title action you know yeah. as well as this bizarre main event and just a bunch of, of other nondescript fights Right, on to our next brilliant section, the magazine lottery. Hey, right, well, I couldn't decide what to do on this one. Oh, well, that's not a good start. And all of these journalists put a load of their time into a really great edition of Ring Magazine, and still, the thing that actually caught my eye... Go on, Joe, what? Before you tell our listeners what caught your eye, remind them that the name of the magazine, the edition, and what's on the front cover. This is the Ring Magazine Extra... Edition. Yeah. It was from October 2007. Yeah. Retailing at £3.95 in the UK, $7 in Canada, and 5 95 in the US. Yes. This was a really lovely edition, actually. Lovely front cover. Cotto on the verge of greatness, but is it too soon to fight Floyd? That is the headline on the front of this magazine, along with a brilliant picture of Miguel Cotto landing a right hook on the chin of Zab Judah. It looks like he's ducking straight into the punch in their fantastic fight it looks of like, that year. Looks like he's about to do the chicken dance again. It does, but he didn't do the chicken he dance. He didn't, no, oh, fight. okay. In fact, I Probably for the best Cot- he didn't. Cotto, <laughs> I think, did a little bit of a chicken dance at one stage in that fight, oh, really? actually. I seem to remember him getting hurt and his legs doing a little funny thing. Ah, I seem to remember that, but it was a long Good time ago. But look, reading this... Yeah. What actually jumped at me, there were some great features included on David Hay and, and a bunch of others, Raul Marquez and Kelly Pavlik, actually. It's a really okay. nice piece on Good that. Good Kelly. But I actually went in on, there's two bits in the rankings that really caught my eye. Oh, yeah. And so one was the junior lightweight rankings. Yeah. Which were quite astonishing. Who's the champion? There is none. It's vacant. Oh, wow. 
But who's number one? Manny Pacquiao. Ooh. Number two, Juan Manuel Marquez. Ooh. Number three, Marco Antonio Barrera. Ooh. Number four, Juan <laughs> Guzman. Number five, Eric Morales. Wow. Number six, Edwin Valero. Oh, my God. Number seven, Jorge Barrios. Yes. Number eight, Humberto Soto. Number nine, Vicente Mosquera. Oh, wow. And coming in at number 10, Scotland's very own Alex Arthur. Wow. I mean, what a bloody stacked division the lightweights were in October of 2007. And can I just remind our listeners that a certain Edwin Valero who was mentioned, we've done a special on Edwin Valero, which is available in the archives. Please feel free to tune into that one. And has Edwin Valero fought Vincente Mascara at the time of this? Because they definitely fought... Um, he had fought Mascara by this point. Oh, so yeah. He'd so that's Mascara why he was higher in the yeah, rankings. Yeah, so that, they fought in October of 2006, those two. Right. They had fought by this point. Okay. Um, but if you look at the division, right? So Manny Pacquiao against Juan Manuel Marquez, yeah. they fought four times in all in wow. their career. yeah. Manny Pacquiao against the number three, Marco Antonio Barrera, they fought twice in their career. Yeah. Manny Pacquiao, number one, against the number five, Eric Morales, they fought three times. Three times. Yeah. Right? Juan Manuel Marquez fought Marco Antonio Barrera once. at least once. At least once, yeah. Um, Marco Antonio Barrera fought Morales four times, I believe. Was it three or four? Three no, or it was three four. times. Three, it was three I times. Think, yeah. I mean, these guys were the top of their game and they just fought each other repeatedly. Yeah. And it was an absolute golden era down at the sort of lightweight super bantams and all of that over that period. I think the point that we're trying to make is that today's era, today's division, lightweight or whatever division, start fighting each other and fighting each other frequently. Right, let's go. We're bloodthirsty animals. We want to see lots of fights and lots of carnage. We're not bloodthirsty animals. We're just boxing fans. (laughs) We're just bloodthirsty boxing fans. I mean, we are bloodthirsty animals. (laughs) But we're just boxing fans who want to see these fights. Now, if you look at the junior lightweight division now, I mean, the reason that it's struck me so much, this, looking at it, it's just just full of superstars. Junior lightweight division now, we've got Shakur Stevenson as champion. He has fought the number two in Oscar Valdez. But then the rest of it, you've got Roger Gutierrez, you've got Joe Cordina, you've got Rakimov, Garcia, Foster, Roach, Conceição, Ramirez, Ogawa. I mean, Cordina's fought Ogawa. I don't, I, I'm not aware of a lot of those boxers having fought each other. They haven't. They haven't. And it's the exactly. point, they haven't. And because of that, they're not the marquee names. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? If these guys were fighting each other over and over again, you elevate yourself, win or lose. Yeah. You become, if you've got confidence in your, if you've got confidence in your ability, fight each other. doesn't matter if you lose one fight. If you have two, four, three fights, you make these rivalries. It elevates all of you. Look at these guys. These guys became superstars because they fought each other. No, it's a good point, And it point, was a John. brilliant, brilliant time in boxing at those days division because of it and then also so another rankings i want to bring up is the pound for pound rankings oh yeah we don't see the 2000s as a golden age of boxing for some reason when i i think it was look at the pound for pound list number one floyd mayweather number two manny pacquiao number three rafael marquez number four juan manuel marquez yeah number five winky wright number six bernard hopkins number seven joe calzaghi number eight marco antonio brera number nine ricky hatton and number 10 miguel Cotto. This is just an astonishing list of fighters. Yeah, definitely. And again, Floyd Mayweather eventually, unfortunately, it was eventually, fought Manny Pacquiao. But 
you know, Winky Wright fought Bernard Hopkins, Joe Calzaghe fought Bernard Hopkins, yeah. Marco Antonio Barrera fought Manny Pacquiao, you know, um, Miguel and Cotto Mar- fought Mayweather. Yeah. Um, you know, R- uh, Ricky Hatton fought Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. These guys fought, that's what you got to do, let's do it, guys. Yeah. There's a show in it. And what just a wonderful time it was for boxing, man. It's brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant. And these guys stayed there for years. A lot of them stayed there for a long time. But it's interesting because Winky Wright is really high in the rankings there in middleweight. People forget that his reign went on for a very long time. He was a fantastic and he was fighter. dominant uh, yeah. light middle. And yeah. then he you know, went up. Really, I thought he won that fight against Jermaine Taylor as well. Oh, okay, and yeah, that, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. In that, he should have been a middleweight champion. And that, again, brings up another interesting thing where Winky Wright turned down $5 million to rematch Jermaine Taylor because he wanted more money. Can you oh, imagine wow. that? Yeah. In 2007, Winky Wright, who although was a hugely respected fighter in the sport, yeah. and he was brilliant, he was a jab merchant, he wasn't the most entertaining to watch. Yeah. And that was more money than he'd probably ever earn altogether in his it? career. <laughs> oh, just a bit, mate, just a bit. Fact, I think he only fought once or twice again after that. He just yeah. couldn't get a fight. It was, it was just a bizarre, it was terrible management. I don't know who was representing him at the time. Yeah. But it was awful. That was one of the very worst business decisions in the history of boxing. Right, Joel has got his box of magazines oh and God. I am going to close oh, my eyes. At random, mate. Here we go. Oh, what's he got? Here we go. And I have pulled out... An, oh, wow, this looks good. An edition of Boxing News dated the 27th of May... 1994. Ooh. Some of our listeners might not even have been born then, Joel. Probably wasn't. Oh mate. my gosh! What's on the front cover? What we got on the front cover? We have Chris Eubank against Dan Sherry, and for those who are interested in how much an edition of Boxing News costs, then it's one pound ten. <laughs> why? Why are you Boxing News? If you're listening, that's the kind of price I want to pay <laughs> during these tough times. All right. No, they 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 they're a great it's a great magazine. Continue charging a, a very fair price. They do. do, they certainly do. They they've they've they're value for money. But they um it's a very thin edition, isn't it? That's uh so this is the oldest like newspaper print this is on. It's yeah. got a a colour is it a byline, what do you call it, where the headline is? That's the only colour we've got in the magazine, it seems. You've got a bit of red on the bit front red page. And that's it, yeah. I'm pretty sure the rest of it will just be black, black and white. white. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. all in this sort of newspaper print. Yeah. But it, it looks lovely. Uh, this is a very nice. So very nice. I stuff. shall be presenting a piece from this magazine next week. Should I be I'm plenty sure. to discuss it? Yeah, then? our listeners are you know, already itching for next week to come along, bearing this in mind. I'm sure they're so excited, <laughs> as excited as I am. It's, it's no, my, it's good. my favourite part of the show, <laughs> mate. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm mocking it, Joel. No, I mate, love it. <laughs> I really love it. You shouldn't say the make out such esteemed segments, mate. <laughs> That's a good segment. You Let me put it in my nice. Lawn. Oh look at you! You brought your fancy case laptop out. Laptop bag. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to rip a page. Uh, take care. So, uh, did you bring my last one back? You brought it back, didn't you? Yeah, because we did the recording there. So. Yeah. Okay. So on that note, thank you, Joel, for your time, and I think it's, yeah, it's been a good episode. I've really enjoyed it, and well, I hope thank I... you as well, Joe. Yeah. Thank you for coming, man. Yeah, no, I, 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 I hope you feel really welcome here yeah, and all yeah. of that as well. You know what I mean? And on that note, we shall see our lovely listeners next week. We hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly did. Pleasure as always. Bye bye. <laughs>